Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Home of the Delivery Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We have another special guest with us today. We are joined by Jack Collison. Thank you very much for joining us, Jack. <laughs> Thanks for having us. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, we are, as ever, here with Ruth, who uh, is still in Washington State. How are you, Ruth? Doing good, thank you, all things considered. It's nice to, nice to be talking football. Exactly, a, a healthy distraction, I think it's safe yeah. to say. Um, so, Ruth, you're going you're gonna to start us off with some questions. Obviously, Jack has played for, for, for West Ham, for Peterborough, and is uh, what is most interesting to us, uh, a former Welsh international as well. So we're looking forward to, to finding out some more about your career. So, Jack, I just wanted to kick off a asking basically how you, how you started out in football what what drew you to to football were you was it always your first love yeah i mean i was actually that really strange kid um who had a football everywhere he went i mean i actually slept slept with a football from the age <laughs> of about five um but yeah well, right from an early age i mean my my dad was was pretty football mad um and i remember he, youngest memories of probably sitting on the back of his like heading down the park to have a kick around with him and it sort of grew from there and we ended up playing games all, all evening in the front room trying to chip balls into bins and that and <laughs> obviously over time it started to get a little bit more professional when I joined the team but yeah I'd certainly say so from sort of four or five years old I was completely obsessed with the game and I've loved, loved it ever since. <laughs> and obviously you were initially picked up by Cambridge, how, how did that happen? Yeah I mean well I was... Um, I joined my first team, uh, sort of Shefford Saints, when I was um, eight years old and was doing quite well at the time um, and went to play a game for the county. And I actually got spotted by Peterborough first. And I right. was at Pete Peterborough from nine years old till 12. Um, and unfortunately, they shut down their youth system when I was 12 years old. Um, right. And we had, we had a really good setup at the time, really professional. Um, we were one of the only academies outside of the... The, uh, top division. I mean, everyone else was centre of excellences, and um, unfortunately, we ran out of money, so they closed down Peterborough, and I ended up making the move to Cambridge at, at sort of twelve, thirteen. Um, had a good few years there. Uh, just turned sixteen, ready to go on full time, and Cambridge actually shut down their youth system as well. Oh, no so, <laughs> so I, I thought I was cursed um, <laughs> as a youngster, but. I mean, it ended up working out quite well. I think at that time, my in my head, my route was to try and break in the first team early at Cambridge. Um, so the 16-year-old was close to the first team, and um, but it wasn't to be, and ended up joining West Ham at 16 and sort of going down that route instead. That must have been quite a change, though, moving from Cambridge's yeah. group um, you set up to to a Premiership setup. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, but. I mean, um, I was I was doing pretty well as a, a sort of 14, 15 year old and had been down to visit Tottenham and been down to see Man United and oh, wow. uh, had a little bit of interest around me. And, and obviously when a, when the time come that Cambridge shut down their youth system, um, I was quite fortunate I had a couple of options. But I mean, for me, West Ham was was incredible. The, the opportunity, I suppose, to go and work with Tony Coe brought through so many of my idols, the likes of Cole, um, Lampard, Rio, Carrick, all these top, top players have come through the West Ham youth system. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I was really keen to go down to West Ham to, to work with Tony. And 
yeah, as you say, the the facilities in terms of going from Cambridge and and sort of seeing what it was like in the bottom of League Two to all of a sudden team just promoted to the Premier League and a team full of superstars. I mean, Teddy Sheringham walking the canteen first day and he stood there eating an apple. So <laughs> it was uh, it was certainly a big change and took a little bit of adjusting and, and sort of time to get used to. And what was it like that moment when you 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 made your debut and you, you actually sort of started to be embedded in the in the first team squad? Yeah, I mean, it's, it felt like it was a, an awful long time coming. I mean, in, in terms of joining West Ham, I sort of had to fight my way through the youth team and reserves and, and then was on the fringes for ages and travelling with a squad and not being involved. So it was getting quite frustrating and... I remember myself and James Somkins at the time um, had, had come through all the, all the ranks together in, in terms of making a similar sort of steps. And yeah. um, we're getting a little bit frustrated from just travelling with a team and, and being like the 20th man. Um, <laughs> but it was New Year's Day and Alan Kerbishley, first team manager, caught us in the lift. And it, I mean, me and Tonks were inseparable and two young boys were the first team manager. So we were just sat there deadly quiet trying not to giggle <laughs> and he just as he's walking out he sort of turned around and goes uh you're both on the bench today fellas I hope you're ready and, and sort of walked off and um myself and James waited waited for the doors to close as they do I think we were a couple of floors up and we celebrated like mad it was brilliant <laughs> so uh yeah both both on the bench against Arsenal at the Emirates and um I knew Freddie Lundberg was was struggling um in the week he had a bit of a bad back and thought there's a chance I might actually be in from the start and half hour into the game I get the curly finger from Kerbs right get yourself ready you're going on and didn't really have time to think was chucked on and, and similarly tapped me on the head as I'm going on and went trying it close to Fabregas so <laughs> it was um, yeah it was some experience but I suppose it didn't really sink in until after the final whistle when I probably had time to breathe and, and sort of catch my breath and you look around there's 60,000 people and you got Fabregas and Flamini on the opposition, and Anton Ferdinand, and people like that in your team. You've, you've you've watched over the years, sort of doing really well in the first team. So it was a real, a real eye opener. Um, certainly chucked in into the fire, and I think I left the game really, really pleased with myself that I'd done it, but sort of ready to go back to the drawing board, knowing that I had lots of work to do and, and needed to improve rapidly to to try and make an impact at Premier League level. I mean, I suppose coming into the Premier League and being told to uh, to mark Fabregas for the first uh, for the first time yeah, you've played, yeah. it's not exactly it's not an easy start, I suppose. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't. Um, I mean, yeah, he's, he was some players. He's always been one of my favourite players to watch. And I mean, you just I used to watch him in the first team at sort of seventeen years old, bossing games for Arsenal, and he was certainly someone I looked to as a midfielder. So to get the opportunity to to sort of see him firsthand and to see that. Certainly, I was doing well at West Ham and reserve team level, but there's another level then to go up and, and to sort of be respected and, and be able to play in the Premier League. And as I said, I left the game sort of determined that I was going to go back and work even harder and improve and get better. And next time I got an opportunity to try and really make a mark because I felt the game had, had kind of passed me by a little bit. Yeah. Are you a West Ham fan, Jack? No, I was actually a Chelsea fan as a kid growing oh. up. <laughs> um, I mean, my, my dad used to take me down to Chelsea. Um, and then as I got older, I used to go watch Peterborough because obviously I was there and, and obviously Cambridge because I was there. So um, big Simon Davis fan. I was, <laughs> I, was at Pe- I was at Peterborough when he was sort of 
coming through youngster and obviously yeah. got his move to Tottenham off the back of it. So he was uh, certainly someone that I looked to and sort of inspired to be like. Uh, speaking of an inspiration, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, um, you were managed by Zola at West Ham a little bit further <laughs> down the line. I've heard, I've heard so many stories about him, and he's like, you know, he's one of my favourite players who played in the Premier League. Um, I've heard things that he was, when he was managing West Ham and Watford, he was probably good enough to still be playing. It was, was, that, was that the case? Oh, he was incredible. I mean, the, um, I was fortunate enough, I got to see him play as a kid and got to see him live in the flesh and really just appreciated how good he was. He, he was the sort of player who'd take your breath away watching yeah. him. And um, I mean, when he came into the training ground at West Ham, we were all really looking forward to it because it needed a change. And um, I think the biggest compliment I can play here, pay him, he obviously a wonderful player, an absolute world superstar, but he was an unbelievable human. He, he wanted to he wanted to know about you, yeah, he cared about you. Yeah. And that was probably a, a really big thing and why we did so well, I think, in the, in the first year. And I mean, his first training session, we were, we're short in a five-a-side and you see him and he whips his top off. He's like, right, I'm in, grabs, a, grabs his bib and he scores one of the most unbelievable goals. And I'm sure it's... It's Ginge. I'm sure James Collins, the ball's fired into Zola and he manages to turn Ginge, leaves him leaves him in a bit of a heap and he dinks <laughs> Rob Green from 25 yards. A lovely little chip that just floats over him and, and nestles in the goal and we all stood there clapping him. Um, and he actually apologised after that. I think he was a bit surprised himself. He was like, right, I maybe can't do that. I'm the manager now. And... Um, he didn't join in too much after that, but it was the second season when we were really struggling that Mark Noble actually went to him and said, boss, please, can you just come out of retirement and sort of just help us out? We, we need some goals. And that's a true story. He was that good and that in shape. He probably could have done a good job for us in the Premier League at the time. He was, uh, yeah, he was ridiculous. I, I remember that back heel kind of when he oh, seemed like yeah. hang in the air was it against Norwich I think against Just... Norwich from the corner it's yeah. beautiful wasn't it eh? absolute, <laughs> absolute filth um, um, obviously things kind of started to go well for you at West Ham but of course then you got your first injury against Wigan um, when it when it first <coughs> happened did you think it was going to be a long term because I know you kind of carried on and tried to plough yeah. on like what, what, what was that like uh, <laughs> difficult I mean I was in the first team and flying and and made my debut and was playing for Wales at the time as well and just really enjoying our football um, obviously playing under Zola playing a really nice brand of football and being a youngster living out your dream it doesn't really get much better than that um, and then obviously the, <laughs> the big big um, injury at Wigan I think I scored the winner against Man City three days before and then three days later I'm, I'm in a heap on the floor and yeah. I knew it was a bad one straight away um, obviously a lot of pain but um Youngster at the time, I, I suppose I had uh, a bit of an option to either go with a short uh, short route to sort of come back, um, small surgery and sort of test it and see if we can get back playing that way or or the possibility of a long operation that could be up to 18 months away from playing football. So I suppose on medical advice, I, I tried the short route initially and it just wasn't to be. I didn't feel right and I knew after another sort of 25, 30 games, I needed the bigger up. And I suppose probably the most disappointing thing for me it happened when I was 20 years old at Wigan and unfortunately after that day I never ever felt fully fit again yeah. um, managed to get quite a few more games out of my knee but never ever felt back to the same player I did at 20 where I felt I could move and could sort of do things in my head I could but my body just couldn't sort of keep up with it yeah. which, uh, which was obviously a bit difficult as a as a young player 
it must be quite oh well, I say must be that's a stupid thing to say it's obviously quite you know very difficult that and and it's I know for myself as a Wales fan watching watching you come through and you know the you know the era of Toshak and a lot of people were dropping out there's a, certainly a level of frustration that I felt as a fan that people were kind of dropping out all the time I, I guess it must have been frustrating for you at the other end of the spectrum in that people didn't know what you were going through and you know while some people were dropping out because they didn't fancy a long trip to <laughs> Latvia or whatever that you were going through all, like I, when I was reading up for the interview I, I found out you know the amount of stuff that you're going through and you know like ice packs on your knees you know for, you know, basically yeah. you could, o- could only oh, train once right. a week you know that sort of stuff it must be Difficult. Yeah, no, really different. I mean, there's nothing worse than being injured and obviously having an injury that you know is going to hold you back your entire career. And I think for me, a lot, a lot of the time, it, it got to a point where I would be training once a week on a Friday for half an hour and then trying to play a game on the weekend and let my knee would blow up with uh, swelling. And yeah. the next four or five days, we're just trying to manage the swelling. And it, it got kind of difficult. And, and obviously, last thing you want to do is miss any games of football and even more so the the group that we obviously had on the at the international scene we were like brothers we'd come through the 21s together a real tight-knit group of young hungry players so obviously for me I want to go away I want to try and make my mark but it just wasn't physically possible a lot of the times when there was international breaks I'd be having um, injections in my knee and just trying to give it a chance to settle down because I couldn't actually physically handle the day in, day out and, and being away for 10 days where training's probably ramped up a notch um, where I'm expected to train maybe three, four times a week when I, I just couldn't physically do it. And yeah. I mean, to be honest, Gary Speed managed me really well. I think he really understood what it was like. And, and certainly Chris Coleman, when he come in, I think they knew I was keen and hungry and desperate to play. It, it just wasn't to be. And I think it was... Obviously, one of the biggest disappointments as a young man when you're you're living out your dream and all of a sudden you're not able to do it or do it to the full capacity is is yeah. certainly tough to take. No, I, I you know we'll we'll try and talk about a few more positive things uh, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't want any tears. Um, no, nah, we're all. Good. <laughs> you mentioned obviously the twenty ones there. Um, I I was I went to the to the England game uh, at Ninian Park and obviously like fant- yeah. fantastic. Um, run up to that point to get into the playoffs and obviously massive two games against England. Um, I read that in the build-up to that game of the England players, they had two, sorry, 692 Premier League games between them at that get at that point. And Wales yeah. Wales had four. And I'd imagine you were, you were probably responsible for, for at least half of them. Um, do you well, think that I, I the experience, that, so. was, do you think the experience was kind of a, the difference that day and they, they were kind of used to playing in front of um, bigger crowds and at bigger stadiums and uh, or, or were they just you know that that little bit better on the day do you know I don't actually think they were so I have this debate because <laughs> obviously Mark Noble played for England at the time yeah. um, and, and certainly in the second leg I felt we should have got something out of the game um, but I mean that whole that whole journey with for that with that group of players was unbelievable I mean Brian Flynn was fantastic at managing managing us and I suppose the best thing that Brian Flynn done, he gave us confidence, he gave us self-belief, but he wanted us to go out there and just play with real freedom. And as a young player, that's what you want to do. And I think he knew it was an exciting group. Obviously, Joe Allen was playing in the midfield, Aaron Ramsey. I mean, Chad Evans was on fire. He couldn't stop scoring. Simon Church was playing really well. It was a a real strong core group of players. And obviously, to top the group was sort of France and I think Romania and and some real tricky teams in it. We, We felt we'd done really well. And then, to draw England, we knew it was going to be tough, but 
it was a confidence in in the camp that we could actually go and do it. And I mean, off the first leg, we we felt we could have we could have probably done a little bit better. But certainly in the second leg, we felt we played really well. Aaron Ramsey scores an absolute worldie. Oh, Churchy scores, and yeah. it's just a, a real knife edge. But one thing I think that group and sort of sort of being part of it, we took away from it was belief that yes, we can sort of perform at the the top level and. I think it made us hungrier to to go on and succeed, and obviously it comes out later on down the down the timeline. I think when Gary Speed gets hold of that group of players, and obviously Chris Coleman experienced it at the Euros, because that that disappointment and <coughs> that, and that defeat made all us young players hungrier to to sort of want more and to to actually go on and qualify for a major tournament. No, I, I absolutely, and I think. You could see that in that game. I think it was kind of weird, actually. I thought England were better in the game at Indian Park in a, to an extent. And I thought we were the better team uh, at Villa Park, I think it was. Um, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, fantastic. I, if I remember right, I think Sam Vokes scored an own goal and then hit the post. Yeah, he did, Vokes. Yeah, so, I think he swings a left footer one and hits the post yeah, later exactly. on, which could have been massive for us. Exactly. <laughs> so, like you said, absolutely, absolutely on a knife edge. Like you mentioned a lot of those the players there and it gave you belief to to move forward. Did you think at the time that there was the start of something? And also to, to kind of go along with that, I looking at the lineups, I saw that Gunter and Bale were both with the senior squad. Um, yeah. Was there, was there a kind of a bit of a tinge of regret that that could have been handled slightly differently or were you kind of, you know, understanding, I guess, of the situation? No, I think, I think we're all understanding. I think as a group, obviously, you want to go and represent a, the senior team ultimately. And I think it gave us real belief that, yes, we're talented. Yes, we feel like we've got a good group of players. But if you do well, you're also going to get an opportunity at the, at the senior level. And obviously, I think John Toshak done unbelievably well. I know he, he takes a lot of stick and even some of us players probably gave him a bit of stick at times. <laughs> but in terms of blood in the youngsters, it, it obviously paid off long term because you look when you when it comes really comes together in the Euros in, in 2016, you've got the likes of Chris Gunter, Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale, all these young players on 50 plus caps. And I mean, Gunter's probably going to be the most capped Welsh player isn't yeah. it? <laughs> to, to, for a long time. Um, and I think if you get that mix of these young players who've had experience, who've got sort of at least 30, 40 caps under, you get a confidence and a belief that you can actually perform at that level. And then you mix in a couple of real top senior pros, similar to Craig Bellamy, he gets a bit of stick. But in terms of setting the standards of training and yeah. really knowing what it's like to be an elite player, he was great for us young players to, to sort of look to and say, right, OK, we've got to go up another notch again. And I think that that hunger and that, that sort of desire and spirit from the youngsters, as I said, mixed with one or two of the olders, your Gabadons, your James Collins, these sort of players, it, it just made a real good group of players. And we just had the, had a feeling that, that something was on the horizon. And I think when Gary, Gary Speed come in and said, right, we're going to qualify for a major tournament, it would be devast devastating if we didn't with the quality we got in this room. And he was consistent with it. And I think it really started to, to sort of sink in and, Obviously, you see what happens a, a few years later. Absolutely. So, what was it like working with John Toshak? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> no, I, I mean, for, I think I think when I first started going up there, it was you're in awe of him because he's so big, he's so loud, he's, he's a big man, and obviously he had a wonderful career as well. So you you can't come away from the fact. Um, and then. <laughs> He was just, uh, 
similar he was just really really relaxed there wasn't too much structure to anything which which can be good or or can be bad at times um but i think i think for us as young players we were just so happy to be up there and and so keen to sort of make our mark at senior level that it could have been anyone managing us at the time and as i said i think he he took a little bit of stick john tarshak but he was certainly brave enough to to push the youngsters up and and give them opportunities probably when when some of us weren't quite ready to actually do it do you did was it um explained to those of you that were were moving up from the 21s to the seniors that it was <laughs> a sort of a development stage or do you think that they didn't really have much choice based on the amount of retirements that were happening jack yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything, really. Obviously, lots of boys retiring and getting frustrated. Um, the run of results <laughs> weren't great in the main. Um, I, I don't know. There's there's something about young players. That I think they just bring a fearlessness. Um, and that's what we had. Even, even at that young stage, we knew we would probably play against teams with more quality, maybe play against teams who were better organised. But we just felt there was there was something sort of brewing and it was just great to be a part of it. And it was fun. You're with your friends. There's bags of quality on show. You knew Gareth Bale was going to be a superstar. You knew Aaron Ramsey was going to be a superstar. So it was just a really good time to be in and around it. And, and probably them early days where you, you take some of the tough results and, and some of those difficult journeys on the chin, they, they build that resilience and I suppose that group unity and that group strength to be able to bounce back. And it obviously comes out well when it's really needed. I just wanted to backtrack slightly because you mentioned... Brian Flynn, your involvement with Wales, Jack, was that one of those <coughs> chance conversations or did you get an unexpected phone yeah. call off Flynnie or how, how did that come about? He's unbelievable, Flynn, isn't he? What, what a man, fantastic man. Um, it was actually Craig Bellamy, I think, who spoke to Flynn. Um I was at West Ham with, with Bellas at the time and um, I'd never been contacted by by anyone about international football and, and Bellas got wind that I had sort of Welsh heritage and chatting and tell my granddad play rugby for Wales and next thing I know Flynnie's down at the training ground telling me about the 21s and this great group of players he's got and, and qualification and, and how he's, he wants me to come and be part of it and I was blown away I, I was like yeah come on I'll have a bit of that and I mean it was actually my first game I probably my debut for the 21s I scored one of the best goals <laughs> Ever scored. I didn't really score too many, so it was, it was nice. And and certainly from that point, I, I really felt a part of it. And and Flynnie done a great great job of, of bringing different people in and different characters and just building a real good team spirit. Um, you 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 obviously mentioned uh, we've been talking about Toshak there. I, a couple of things about him. Have you everyone uh, we we've spoken to really or has been around that time seems to have a, a story about Toshak and his kind of. Uh, manner shall we say are you are you in that camp that have got a great john toshak story to share john so let me think if i've got a good and i just used to i just used to enjoy watching him he was just a fantastic character he used to like a glass of wine and that with his with his lunch and things didn't he i, th- I think he just enjoyed life so so for me he was he was certainly very interesting to watch um and one or two of the boys used to have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, as a, a certain player in the squad who used to make bird noises out his window <laughs> while John Toshak would be having lunch. Um, <laughs> he'd normally be outside in the sun, bit of lunch, a little glass of wine next to him, and, and one of the players would be making bird noises, and you just see Tosh going mental, looking, trying to find out where it's coming from. So, 
but no, he was a fantastic character and, and done a, a wonderful job. If you look back now, just out of interest, was it Joe Ledley? <laughs> I'm sure he would have been involved at some point, but I think it's unfair for me to name the player. Fair enough. I was hoping if I guessed it first time, you might let me off, but it's worth a try. It's worth a try. Um, obviously, it was kind of difficult at the time that Toshak was there playing in kind of varied, in front of varied crowds. I know, you know, when I was going, you were, it was kind of felt empty sometimes in a Millennium Stadium. It, was it? What was it like, obviously, moving forward to kind of speed where the numbers were improving as well as, as, as the football and you were going from playing in front of big crowds at Upton Park and, and then that was kind of being followed through in, in what you were seeing at international level. Did that, did that make a difference? Yeah, I, I think so. And it, it was great just to see it gradually grow and grow. And you just had a feel that everyone was kind of getting behind the group. There was obviously a little bit of talk of a, a so-called golden generation and things like that. And I think I think for me, it, it helps when you've got someone like Gareth Bale in your team and <laughs> you've got someone like Aaron Ramsey. They're not just good players. They're exciting. They're breathtaking. They're, they're world superstars. So if you've got a couple of players like that in your team, obviously the crowds are going to slowly start coming through. And I think it helps when you when you start getting some results. And I think it, it all sort of come together, didn't it? At the Euros, the support out there was was just incredible to, to sort of see it and the build-up to it. And, and in them big games, the games against Belgium and, and things like that, uh, are things that people will probably never forget, not just the players, but the fans have probably had some of their best ever days actually travelling away and, and seeing the team play and, and putting on some wonderful performances. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that was, I, I'm, I'm speaking on Ruth's behalf here, but I think it was, I'm, sa- <laughs> I'm safe to say that, that you know, that, that four-week spell was certainly uh, certainly one of our highlights of our time in America together. I think, I think that's safe to say. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> obviously, Gary Speed made big changes to the Wales squad. Obviously, he had a, a big, a good group of players to work with as well. But what do you think, as a as a coach, with the big things? Obviously, I know he changed the nutrition and, and and that sort that side of things. But as a coach, what do you think was one of the biggest things that he changed? Ah, it was a lot of things. It it was instant. It was just a an instant feel that this is this is top end professionalism. This is. This is going to a new level now and just little things with a hotel, the training was a lot more organised. You go into a game, you'd be doing more work on the opposition, more work on us as well, how we want to play. And, and as I said, the biggest thing that he done for us was just give us belief, belief that we're not just going to win the odd game here and there. We're, we're here to try and qualify for the World Cup and try and qualify for the Euros and I think if someone's consistent in their messages and consistent in their actions, he obviously expected and demanded a lot of us, but it's one of them. You either jump in and go with it and enjoy the journey for what it is, or you fall away. And I think 99% of the boys wanted to jump in and be a part of the journey because we felt like it was going somewhere special. So that belief and that real trust in what he was doing really rubbed off and and gave that sort of feel-good factor around the group. And did he speak to you about what he thought your involvement was going to be? Were you expecting to be part of those plans moving forward? Yeah, I was, I was open to be. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, I, I played for him quite a bit in the early days, so it was great to be in the squad. And, and obviously, when you first turn up, you, you're always wondering, if you're going to be playing? Am I part of the plans? Things like that. But he had a great way of, of making everyone feel involved. It wasn't just you know, starting 11, 10 outfielders and 
it was everyone because I think he he knew and and being around international football, you know, throughout a campaign, you're going to have to use 15, 20 players for a large period. People will be injured, people will be suspended. And I think he knew that he would have to rely on us at, at some point throughout each campaign. So he, he made a conscious effort, I guess, to try and make everyone feel part of it and, and feel part of the group and, and to feel part of that common goal to try, try and qualify for a major competition. Um, like you mentioned there, you, you played a lot um, at that time under, under speed. What do you think was your highlight uh, of your time in a Wales shirt? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I didn't really ever set it alight on the senior scene, which was a bit disappointing. I mean, I had some fantastic moments at West Ham and I, I didn't really ever ever reach a point where I felt, oh, I've done really well. I had the odd game where I'd done well or, or done well in bits and bobs and I mean, it was a an absolute honour to put on the shirt and go and play out there and and, and play in that team with, with that calibre and quality of players. I mean, some of my most enjoyable moments, I remember going to Denmark and, and winning out there with a on a rainy night, which was fantastic. And I, I suppose the big thing for me is is now looking back, just the, the quality of players that I've got to play with and to see how they've gone on to another level and, and kicked on and, and really represented the country and, and done unbelievable with it. That's that's sort of probably my biggest sense of pride from from playing for Wales. Could you, I mean, this is, this is definitely a silly question, but um, could, could, you, could you tell at that time that Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey were, were going to go on to what they've gone on to? But like we've, we've spoken to people who've said that when you stand on a football pitch and watch how good professionals are, you realise how good they are. And then people like Rambo and, and Bale, are that extra again, where it, they kind of play on a different level sometimes. Could you, was that evident throughout? I think, yeah, I, for both of them, I think. I think Rambo was really interesting because when I when I first joined the under twenty one group, he was super quiet. He didn't really say too much. And uh, one of the boys, I can't remember who it was. It, it might have been Simon Church. Said, just you, just you wait till we get to the game. Wait, wait till you see this kid when we get to the game. And obviously, I'm watching him, and he just lit up on game day, and you could give him the ball anywhere, and he just, he just real responsibility even some from sort of 16 years old playing playing in the 21s one of the younger players and then the next few few trips he's doing really well for Cardiff Cardiff obviously going that great cup run and yeah. and things like that and you could just tell he, he kind of he kind of had a, a alter ego on a on a match day he just sort of grew and went out and just thought you know what I'm going to be the best player on the pitch today <laughs> um whereas Bay, Bailey was probably the most interesting one for me because when you go out for training, quite often you're just kicking balls about or messing about. And I used to just sometimes sit there and take a bit longer to do my boots and just watch him. And the way he'd hit a ball, free kick, messing about, laughing about it, or ping a ball with him and Chris Gunter always messing about. Just some of the stuff he would do without even thinking about it was was mind-blowing. And then obviously training comes in and that enthusiasm and that passion mixed with that quality is just frightening and yeah. he was just great to watch and great to be around um obviously you got to the point where you had to you talked about you know you couldn't deal with the 10 days away uh playing for wales and, and your knee issues um and like i mentioned before obviously i didn't realize as a fan what you were were going through through all of that like how did you like <coughs> how did you deal with all of that and the rehab and the like i say i, I read somewhere that you wore like some sort of like ice pouch thing over your leg like for for ten, <laughs> 10 hours a day like how, yeah, how was that i mean look it's, it's difficult there's dark days but um 
I think the the initial injuries were always the hardest, and then all of a sudden you get coping mechanisms. And I think for me, I was very goal oriented. I used to write a lot down and just tick it off slowly, yeah. slowly, slowly, and get past it. And um, probably the most difficult time was after the big operation where I had 14 months out. I said 10 hours a day on a CPM machine. I'm on an ice machine. I'm trying to do everything. So I've got an oxygen thing there to try and keep some sort of fitness as well. And I was just obsessed because I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I wanted to get back to doing. So I was willing to put the hard work in. And don't get me wrong, there's days where you're in agony or you're in pain and you know you're miles away from getting back and your mates are out there playing and having fun and you see him playing in the big games on TV and that it's, it's difficult but I was I was really focused on on getting back and coming back and, and trying to make my mark and make the most out of what I had. Ultimately you had to retire though Jack what was <laughs> what tipped that for you in terms of it meaning that it was it was time to walk away from playing. Yeah, there was a couple of things. Obviously, I, I mean, it, I was living towards the end where, as I said, I was training for half an hour a week and then going out there trying to perform in the Premier League, which, which is near on impossible. Um, and it, it got to the point where obviously West Ham let me go and um, my contract ran out and I tried to get back playing and went back to Ipswich and it just it just wasn't I couldn't do it so I took an entire year out of playing um, I went to Switzerland I went to America I went to Italy to just try and see some of the best people in the world on these spent every day trying to strengthen it and was still seeing everyone that I could just to, to try and give my, my body a chance to breathe and myself a chance to come back and I think in that year, I, I tried to use the time to to sort of get my head around that it. it might not work, but also to go at it wholehearted. So if the time did come where I had to step away, I could look myself in the mirror and say, do you know what, I've tried absolutely everything. And um, it got to a point where I felt okay and, and wanted to go to Peterborough and, and try and sort of work my way up again and, and just get back to playing. And I think within sort of three or four games, I knew I was nowhere near it. I've got the young lads running rings around me and I never wanted to be a person who would just sort of sit around and collect a little bit of money here and there and not really have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real telling point was we we went to play Coventry away and we're 2-0 up at half-time and I come on at half-time and we lose 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember after the game, I just looked around and just thought, you know what, I, I cannot physically do it anymore. I've tried everything. I've, I've given it my all and it's just not to be. My body can't do it anymore. And um, I think a big thing for me as well, we had some really good young players. We had a young lad, Leonardo da Silva Lopez. And I, I wouldn't ever want to be someone sort of sitting in the way of one of these young players who could go on and have a really good career in the game. We've talked a little about the Euro 2016, Jack. What What's, what's your take on it i mean we dave and i hit every stereotype moment <laughs> you can a, imagine but it for was you, amazing, what was it like man. it was amazing i mean it was really difficult for me to begin with because i mean i'm watching and thinking car oh, could i could have been part of this and yeah. and then it's just sheer pride because the, the boys were unbelievable weren't they from minute one and just the way they went about it and the way they performed and probably slightly surprised themselves to, towards the end. That Belgium game was, for me, just the ultimate. It was the ultimate. It was the pinnacle, wasn't it? And 
to see the way they played and how much fun they were having off the pitch and what a great time the fans were having as well. It was just a real unbelievably proud moment to to sort of be a Welsh fan and, and to see what was going on. And for me, I was actually doing the games from the Sky Studios in London, so I, I didn't get a chance to get out there. And I thought, right, if we get to the final, I'm going to go. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go experience it properly. And uh, unfortunately, we fell just short. But, I mean, some of the performances, I thought Aaron Ramsey was incredible. And obviously, Gareth Bale stepped up. And yeah, as I say, it just looked like a real fun time and, and unbelievable, unbelievable performances from the whole group. And I thought Chris Coleman was was just magnificent, and his speech after that game as well was nearly brought me to tears. It yeah, just to, to sort mean. of see it all come together, and the way he spoke, and the group behind it, it was it was a, a magnificent time to be a Welsh fan. I can't can't argue with that one. I think <laughs> Ruth and I that was one of our like our favourite moments. Like and I'm, like people who listen to us regularly will be bored out of their minds hearing. But we we that day I I had cried after every match. And at that after the Belgium game, I was so excited. I was just giddy. I think I just I, I was yeah. just running around excited, and I would turn around like, "Where the bloody hell is Ruth gone?" And she's just she's walked outside our apartment <laughs> and has just sat on the floor outside my apartment, sobbing her eyes that's, out. It was it was uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Unfortunately, at, at this point in our recording, Jack had to had to dash away. Uh, young kids and and COVID complications and <laughs> life in Atlanta. Uh, but we're hoping perhaps in the future that we can have another chat with him and, and, and discuss a little bit more about his progress, progression as a, as a coach and um, his role now with uh, Atlanta United, which are slowly becoming quite a key team over here in terms of um, their role in MLS and, and the development work that they're doing. It's actually a very impressive um, organization. So. Um, would really like an opportunity to to discuss that with Jack as as well in the future. Absolutely, it was a it was a great chat. Really enjoyed uh, that, and thank you for your time, Jack. Um, obviously, having having small kids at home and COVID and a pandemic and trying to do a million things at once is obviously less than ideal. So, thanks for your time, much appreciated. Um, it's fascinating, I think, to hear people's the the, the players' perspective on things like long term injuries and. Um, the impact that has on you personally and your family, but also the kind of misconceptions that a lot of it comes from 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 the fan side. So that was really interesting, and, and his views on the Euros as well. So yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll be back with another pod- podcast soon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye bye.